Welcome to our Drink a Book podcast, where we drink wine and talk about books. This is Lauren. Lynn. I'm Lee. It's Marie. And this is Joe. quarantine edition of book club right the third one yep Yep. yeah still going strong at home (laughs) we've already had lots of cat appearances which is always good i'm already on my second glass of wine (laughs) that is like extra giggly (laughs) you all know why (laughs) yes what's everybody drinking i'm drinking this same wine that I drank last time and I was mentioning earlier before we started our recording that I have been drinking conveniently the same wine every time we are in book club so I'm drinking the Cabernet Avalon and it's very good I read it whatever our highest rating is for five stars I am gonna just say that that is gonna be my rating because I've had it three times now <laughs> so it has to be good <laughs> Um, I'm drinking Ferrante Riesling, a classic favorite of the group. It's really good. I haven't had it in a while. I kind of forgot how good it was. I have a Ferrante, too, but I have the Pink Catawba, which is also delicious. I'm also drinking the same wine I had last time. It's called New Age. It's that sweet wine from Argentina. And it's just as good on my second glass today as it was last time. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. I finally opened this bottle that Joe brought home from the Finger Lakes called Ruby Vixen from Fox Run Vineyards. It's like a semi-sweet blush wine, and it is so good. I wish I had more bottles of this. Five stars. This time our book genre was books that are already on your shelf, and we were all really excited about this one, and all of the picks sounded super good, Mm -hmm. but the winner this time was The Giver of Stars by Jojo Moyes, which was that, whose pick was that? I don't remember. Oh yeah, that was Lynn's book pick, and I think it was Marie's genre, no, Lauren's genre pick. Okay, so I'm going to give everybody just a very vague uh, description. Since last episode, we heard a pretty detailed description of what this book was about. I'm going to go the vague route this time and skip a little bit just to make it shorter. So, set in Depression-era America, a breathtaking story of five extraordinary women and their remarkable journey through the mountains of Kentucky and beyond. Based on a true story rooted in America's past, The Giver of Stars is unparalleled in its scope and epic in its storytelling. Funny, heartbreaking, enthralling, it is destined to become a modern classic, a richly rewarding novel of women's friendship, of true love, and of what happens when we reach beyond our grasp for the great beyond. And so after this point, just a spoiler alert, remember, if you haven't read this book yet, then you may not want to listen along if you intend on reading it in the future. And for the rating of this book, we have a 4.3 stars. And there are 127,000 ratings and 13,000 reviews. That's 
so many because this was just published last year. That's yeah. Wow. Well, I think that our good friend Reese probably gave this book a lot of publicity, which <laughs> might be why it has so many ratings. And this one's going to be made into a movie. Is it? I didn't know yeah. that. There's no, like, there's no date yet or anything. Um, but I think it said, I was looking it up, and the same person who directed her other movie, I think, is directing it. Um, don't quote me on that. But something similar like that. And then, I don't know if this has to do with Reese Witherspoon, but I know she, like, tries to buy all the rights to the books that she chooses for her book club so that might have something to do with it too but i think this would be an awesome movie mm -hmm. oh absolutely oh, yeah. i agree or even like a limited series or something type of thing with like maybe 10 episodes or something just to yeah. delve because i mean i feel like there's a lot going on so yeah yeah i can't wait to see who they would cast for it i know i looked it up on imdb and i was like oh there's no one listed yet so I have a five-star Goodreads rating from Mirna. She says, Jojo Moyes is one of my favorite authors, and this book does not disappoint. In this novel, we follow the ups and downs of tough, fascinating, and memorable women who become known as the horseback librarians of Kentucky. I like the way the author intertwined history with fiction. The author also did an excellent job of evoking images of small town and rural Kentucky during the Depression. If you enjoyed books like Where the Crawdads Sing, Before We Were Yours, and The Great Alone, you will certainly enjoy this one. Um, and I thought it was interesting that she said that because I was actually talking to Lynn about how this book really gave me like vibes from Where the Crawdads Sing. I can see that. Same. Which was another one of our book club reads, which we all really liked. But it had that, like, strong female characters. There was a murder mystery. And there was a lot of, like, nature. Mm -hmm. So it kind of, like, gave me some vibes from that. But Okay. And I have the one-star review. And this is from Marsha. And she said, DNF at 35%. This is just awful. The characters are stereotypical tropes, the feisty local woman, the rebellious foreign woman, the physically stricken girl, polio, the ignorant brutish men. It reads like a bad YA romance novel. The subplots wander around adding nothing. What I thought was going to be historical fiction about the horseback librarians, a WPA program championed by Eleanor Roosevelt, Instead, it's just a boring romance. This subject deserves better. I'd give it zero stars if I could. Damn. Whoa. <laughs> zero stars? That's a little extreme. Wow. I feel like if she kept reading, she would have changed her mind a little bit, right? Yeah. Honestly, I think that if you haven't finished a book, you should not get to leave a review because you don't have the full story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So, sorry, Marsha, your review is not valid. <laughs> it is really interesting. While I totally disagree with Marsha's review, uh, a lot of the other reviewers who were giving it more of a negative rating, a lot of them were mentioning how, did you all see this? I know Lauren sent it to us, and um, Lee and I had seen it too. 
there are a bunch of articles. The one I'm looking at right now specifically is on BuzzFeed News, but there's another book published by Kim Michelle called The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek mm-hmm. that is like really, really, really similar to this book. And apparently, like it says, quote, there are alarming similarities between the two books. And the article kind of spells out things that are like really, really similar to the point where people are accusing Jojo Moyes of plagiarism, which I don't know. Like, it's interesting because the book premise is something like I had never even, I didn't know there was such thing as a horse library. I think it's amazing. And I wish there were more books about this sooner. And it sounds like both Kim Michelle and Jojo Moyes had like around the time they were writing it or researching for the book, they had both published on social media. Like I'm worried that somebody else is going to write this book before I do or whatever, because it hadn't been done yet. So I don't know. It seems like a pretty big coincidence but also maybe it could be a coincidence but also it seems maybe a little bit too similar to be so I don't know so apparently the um Kim had her manuscript done before Jojo Moyes was starting to write hers is that the timeline from my understanding and I was looking at the BuzzFeed article and I was looking at the comments but this was really interesting to me someone all Jenny Trout said, it's really not a secret that publishers will take smaller or debut authors' manuscripts or ideas and farm them out to bigger names. Unfortunately, Richardson will probably end up blacklisted over this because she didn't keep her head down and let it happen. Which I was like, I didn't know that at all. Like, is that true? I didn't know about that, but it did say in the article that I think they had the same publisher didn't they? Or they were publishing through the same company or something? I don't know. I don't know. And sorry, I should have said her full name is Kim Michelle Richardson. I just said Kim Michelle. Yeah, so I don't know. Like, I was reading the similarities, and some of the lines are literally almost word for word, which I'm like, why would you, if that was your intent, like, wouldn't you be a little more subtle about it? And they're not like the most crazy, innovative lines either. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel yeah. like it's nothing worth copying what she wrote over. Yeah, and even little things like they both had a wedding that happened in October and just, like, little parts of the plot that, like you said, aren't really big deal. It's not, like, super important to the story, but why would they have copied it Right. if that's the case? Yeah, and even, like, I think it said that both books... Um, One of the women working for the library was Black, and there were no actual, like, historical records of a Black woman working for this program, so that was kind of, like, a weird coincidence. And then, like you said, Lauren, I was looking at some of the examples that they gave of the passages, and there are several that are literally, like, word for word. It just seems like too much of a coincidence. Wow. But this article was saying that apparently it's like really hard to prove like copyright infringement or whatever for like books. It would be really hard to prove that someone had stolen another person's work. I just 
my personal opinion, I put the other one on my to read list. Like, I think there's plenty of space for more than one of these stories. I, I loved it. Um, so I want to read the other one too, but I mean, I would be really upset if I was that author and that happened to me, like an up and coming author who's not as well known as Jojo Moyes. You have to think too, when books are written about certain time periods, is it people from other time periods thinking that it's copying when it's really just retelling parts of traditions or things that people do during that time period. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're retelling the life of that time period. Right. And I didn't read the article, so I can't completely judge based off what you guys have read. Well, the article did note that, like, it's not completely unheard of for two authors to be writing about the same topic on accident at the same time. And they right. did said that actually in January, another, in January of whatever year this was, another book featuring a Kentucky book woman was also published. But I just feel like a lot of the similarities that they mentioned in this article, especially the, like the wording, that's the hardest part for me. It's like the wording in some of these passages are literally exactly the same. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that's too much of a coincidence. It just seems odd to me, even if they were firming out ideas that like, another author who obviously is can write and writes books that are popular would not change the wording or something like why would you take word for word right. and I'm, I'm not saying that she did but it sounds like somebody did but both of these people um, are authors so they can write they could come up with their own right. method of saying it without having to have it be like actually copied that just sounds odd mm -hmm. yeah I don't know. I know. I would be really sad if she did take these ideas from another author because I did. I loved the book. I gave it five stars and I didn't know. I didn't see this article until after I was done and had already rated it and then like was looking at some of the reviews and stuff. And so that would be like the only thing that would make me not want to give it that rating, but it didn't. I mean, it didn't take away from the fact that I loved this book. Yeah, I really liked the book, too. We gave it a four out of five. And I didn't know about any of this until after I finished. I was, like, Googling about the book and saw this BuzzFeed article. But, yeah, like, I'm conflicted because I love the book. I thought it was really good. But I also have a problem with it if she did steal this other author's work or if someone did. Yeah. I loved it, like, from the minute I started reading it. I think for me, like, a lot of it was the content of the book, but I think the reason I ultimately gave it a five instead of just a four is because it's, like, my, like, literacy and, you know, putting books in the hands of people who it will empower is, like, my passion as an early childhood educator, like, with a master's degree in literacy like this is like my passion and then on top of that like the feminist you know theme of the book and the female empowerment and then empowerment through books was just like everything I've ever wanted in a book and didn't know until I read it that like I didn't have it yet in my book repertoire I don't know it just like made me 
love it so much more that that was like the overall tone of the book. Like while I was reading it, I was freshly on my summer break from school. I'm in my brand new house that I just bought, reading it on my new deck, like out in nature. And it was so heavily nature and the setting the scenes parts of it with like the outdoors and all that. I just loved it. And I don't know if that was just the place I was in when I was reading it mentally, but I loved that. I still enjoyed the book and I still give it a four because it was a boring to a absolutely love the rest of the book. Because I, I found that more after page 143, after Garrett dies, you know, it started to pick up and it seemed more exciting. More events were happening. More things were happening. And it was catching my attention more. I gave it a four star. I really liked it. I liked the whole message and the theme. I loved all the women characters. The only thing I, I didn't like that much, I felt like there are a lot of things mentioned that kind of didn't get cleared up or kind of went nowhere, like the mind subplot. And like, I was kind of annoyed that Mr. Van Cleve never got any karma for like what a terrible, horrible person he was the whole entire time. Um, and then some stuff with Bennett, I felt like never got cleared up. But overall, I really, really enjoyed it. I also gave it a four star. I thought it was really good. Um, and I feel like I haven't read that many books that take place in like Kentucky or, or anywhere nearby in this time period. So it was really interesting for me too to learn what it was like to live there. I liked that historical aspect as long as, or I'm sorry, I enjoyed the historical aspect as well as the other things you guys mentioned, like all the um, feminist views and uh, reading, obviously. Uh, all of that was really cool. But yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Um, I feel like so many of the books we've read have like those overlapping, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, basically all we read is like books with strong female characters, which I'm totally here for. But it was reminding me a lot of that one. So I had like so many thoughts about this book. I feel like it covered such a range of like themes and topics and I loved a lot about it but I also had a few like qualms with it hmm. um but like you all said I loved like feminist part I loved that it was like about books and like hmm. these strong women like delivering books to people I just thought it was so cool hmm. I think um Lauren you kind of mentioned Van Cleve and how he never got like karma or whatever Blood was seriously boiling anytime he would speak. I was like, yeah. what is your problem? You know, I kept making snarky remarks in my like notes app on my phone every time something would happen. Like my first note for the book is that Bennett is a fuckboy. Like that's literally <laughs> my first note. Yeah, he was a total bro. Yeah. Yes. I I did think that Van Cleve though, the the dad um, older Van Cleve, he was almost like too evil. Like he wasn't, I felt like he wasn't a complex character at all. And he didn't have like any nuance. He was just like evil in every possible way, which I felt like maybe his character could have been developed a little bit more. I don't know. I feel like it was almost too, like too villainous. Mm -hmm. I feel like his only saving grace was how much he talked about like his dead wife all the time, I guess, a little. But yeah, he was the worst. I saw it differently. 
I thought that he was like, and I don't know because I'm not like a historian, but I felt that he was the depiction of like what a lot of men were like back then. And I also felt like the reason he didn't get any karma was because this was a historical fiction and like most white men did not get karma back then. It just kind of showed like this was the bullshit that women dealt with in the 30s is kind of what I thought. I actually made a comment as well about the same thing. But for me, I made a comment almost to myself of saying I need to, in my head, separate myself from the time period. Because a lot of times I find that I'm not thinking about the time period. I'm thinking about what's happening today because I'm reading it now and realizing that, yes, everything that happened with him, mostly it happened because of the time period and what was going on during the time and that it was, it was okay, as I put up air quotes right now, because <laughs> a lot of that did just slide by. That was a norm. Yeah. A woman to behave the way, which I, I don't think she was behaving badly at all. I think she behaved the way she should have. But in this time period, she would have been behaving badly, mm -hmm. you know, and what Bennett was doing, that would have been socially acceptable. And, and that would have been okay. It's not. And it shouldn't have been. But... I mean, I totally get that, like, in the time period, like, I understand that, like, her behavior was not considered socially acceptable and culturally, like, there was sexism and racism and everything. I just felt like his character overall didn't have very much complexity, I guess, was all. Right. Mm -hmm. I wondered, actually, a different, I had a different thought about him. Um... And I wondered if he, like, became this angry person after Mrs. Van Cleve passed away, because the way that he idolizes her, I couldn't imagine him being like that to her, like, beating her and berating her and being so terrible. I mean, maybe he was, but from what they said about her, it sounds like she had a personality and she had opinions, and maybe her dying turned him into this horrible person or maybe that was part of it mm -hmm. I don't know though I guess I kind of felt like I thought that a lot of his like quote idolizing of her he was actually just like using her to be like mean to Alice like I got that like, too a little bit yeah I was like does he did he actually idolize her or is he just like using that to like get what he wants and like punish Alice in a way, you know, like, oh, though she loved those dolls or whatever, but like, he didn't give a fuck about the dolls. Like, mm -hmm. come on. I kind of thought that too. And then also I felt like, is this another underlying message of the book and like the sexism that was going on in that time that the only time a woman is idolized is when she's dead. Like, when she was alive, were they treating her the same exact way that Alice was being treated? And just now that she's dead and is, like, not, quote, bothering them anymore or whatever, like, now they can act as though she was this perfect person. And I'm assuming, too, kind of like, I guess, what, Joe, you were saying, 
she probably was a quote ladylike person when she was alive like uh, it from what they said about her you could take it as she was the type of woman who did what she was told and stayed in line and didn't make waves and was a quote lady like in that case they probably did idolize her because she basically could have been just adhering to anything that the men in her life told her to do or wanted her to be probably the case <laughs> she probably was like that based on everyone else in the town it seems like most of them were like that now that i'm thinking about it i remember um mr van cleve mentioning multiple times like putting your woman in line by like abusing her physically so i guess that kind of leads me to believe that maybe he was abusive to her and she just kind of like gave up you know what i mean like she was tired of getting smacked around so she was just kind of docile at that point that gives me the color purple vibes of silly versus um who was the other woman who basically oh. did not do what her husband wanted her to do yes oh i, 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 talking about. I can't think of her name right now no there is a a part on page 198 um it was when Marjorie, when she said, you know what's the worst thing about a man hitting you, Marjorie said finally, ain't the hurt. It's that in the instant you realize the truth of what it is to be a woman, that it don't matter how smart you are, how much better at arguing, how much better than them, period. It's when you realize they can always just shut you up with a fist, just like that. I remember reading that and being like, damn. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, raw. That was my comment on the side. <laughs> I don't know if you remember, but she also has like almost the same thought at the very beginning of the book on page four in the prologue. That was the first note I took on the book is that she says, and there's the bare truth of it for her and all the women around here. Doesn't matter how smart you are, how clever, how self-reliant, you can always be bettered by a stupid man with a gun. Honestly, still pretty relevant these days. Yeah. Yes. And I, I was thinking about that as we were reading the book, that a lot of it at a different level, of course, it's still there. You know, it didn't go away. It's at a different level. But yeah, like now it's, it's just in most cases, like more subtle Mm -hmm. and not like as overt as what Van Cleve was doing but like we still get the same kind of bullshit today but I loved like whenever Alice would like come back at them with a question like I just loved it when she was like asking the pastor for the article about riding oh, a horse and a women's insides I was like yes, yes. and then that was great and then when she was asking him like what about the Bible verses for beating up your daughter-in-law? Like, yes, Alice. I know. I loved it. I love when she said the jiggling. That's not a medical term I'm familiar with. <laughs> when they were saying that, like, her insides were going to be jiggling around and, like, ruined from riding on the horse. Like, I love right. that. It was the best clap back. Like, that's not a medical term I'm familiar with. <laughs> she was like, we do that in England. All Like, women learn to ride in England. Like, do you think they're not having babies? Because they are. And he had no response. I know. I loved it. I loved all of her, like, her unwillingness to just be stopped and put in her place by them. I loved it. 
I was just going to say, I like how she was phrasing it as like a question. It was just so smart because she wasn't like overtly saying like, no, you're wrong. But she was being like, she was being like resistant Mm -hmm. with questioning, which was smart, I thought. I feel like it's kind of that thing now where if somebody says something like, and they try to make it a joke about like sexism or racism, you should just be like, what do you mean? And like make them explain it to you. And so they can see how like dumb they sound. Like, I don't get it. What do you mean? Yes. Okay. I was confused though. Like what's the deal with Bennett? Why is, why is he not sleeping with her? I said, is Bennett gay with five question marks? I was like, what is happening (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I think he might be. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, also, like, I thought about that because, I mean, I'm what page 181 was when they were talking about the book and has sexual content. And I made a comment and I was like, haha, and men are complaining. Haha. <laughs> I'm sorry, but I think in the 30s, in the 20s, I think. That's the one consistent characteristic of men that probably has never gone away. (laughs) And why are you complaining about your wife wanting to be sexual and touch you? I don't understand. He told his dad. Right. Fuck. (laughs) I did not. I was like, what is happening? My dad, my wife wants to touch me. What do I do? He told his dad that, but then his dad's like, why aren't you having babies? And he's like, I don't know. Like, why? That connection isn't there. Yeah, I don't know what the deal with Bennett was. Because they did make it seem like, like a lot of the other couples in the town were having, like, a lot of success from that, the Mm -hmm. sex book. So, clearly Bennett has, like, some kind of issues. But... I don't know if we're supposed to think that he's gay or is it supposed to be like this weird, like oppressive upbringing by his crazy dad just kind of like totally messed him up. That it's like, is it some kind of power imbalance that like if the woman is initiating that kind of thing, it's taking the power away from the man? That's a good point. It could be. I guess it's just weird because he didn't initiate anything, according to Alice. Right. And at the end, like, Peggy ended up coming in for the book. So is that meant to imply that he's, like, not into women? And, like, he doesn't want to tell him his dad for obvious reasons? I thought it would change with Peggy. I thought maybe he was wishing he had just stayed with Peggy all along. Mm -hmm. But then at the end, you find out that's not the case. So something else is going on for sure. At the beginning, I felt like they were kind of ambiguous. Like, I remember making a note on my notes app, like, have they had sex? Like, you know, it wasn't, like, explicit at the beginning. But then we find out that, like, she doesn't actually know if they've had sex or not. No, what do you think they actually did? Like, I'm unclear. Like... Yes. I mean, it seems like Bennett didn't want to touch her at all. So, is it just that he thought, like, if he was with the other girl, what was her name again? Peggy. Peggy. If he was with her, that she would be ladylike and wouldn't give him any issues, like socially, you know, or with his dad. 
and just like be quiet. <laughs> but then like Bennett kind of had a redemption arc because at the end he like helped them sort of with the investigation or the trial or whatever. So like, I guess at the end I was like a little bit conflicted about like how we were supposed to feel about Bennett. Mm-hmm. It's like, obviously he still sucked, but like he didn't suck as much as Van Cleave. For sure. And he's like a product of his dad and what his dad has probably done to him. Yeah, he definitely seemed like he didn't really agree with everything, but he, like, wasn't willing to stand up to anyone or speak his opinions. Mm-mm. And at least he did try to help them at the end. And I guess it was nice to know he doesn't, like, hate Alice. He just maybe regretted marrying her. But he definitely should have stood up to his dad, like, multiple times. And I wish he had done that instead of just let his dad walk all over the two of them. It was, like, so infuriating, like, the gaslighting that was going on to Alice with them. Anytime she's trying to be a good wife or whatever and, like, even just communicate with her husband, she gets shut down. Yeah. Oh, my God. I have one last comment about Bennett, actually. Do you think if he was just separated from his dad, he'd be okay? Because when she met him at the beginning, they got along and it was like romantic. And then when they were traveling home is when they reconnected with his dad and everything like went downhill. And I was trying to decide, was he just like putting on a whole show for her? Or did he actually just act like a totally different person when he wasn't under his dad's eye? I was just thinking all of that in our previous conversation. (laughs) I was thinking if we could just get rid of his dad, I think maybe things would be a lot different Mm -hmm. because I feel that he stirred up some problems between the two of them for sure. Yeah, I just can't figure out if if Bennett was always like that and she was just like blinded by lust or whatever and didn't notice or if he was acting like a different person. And if you think about it, too, parents aren't always involved in relationships early on. So he probably wasn't a huge influence from the beginning. He came into the picture as they start, you know, they're married. Obviously, he's going to be more part of their life than he was before. So I don't know. It did seem like, at least from Alice's descriptions, that he was not acting the same at the beginning when they first met. So I kind of wonder that too, like why the behavior changed? Like why did he make this complete 180? And I guess the common denominator is his dad. Yeah. But she did make comments throughout the book about how she would feel like Bennett was looking at her almost like confused at how he ended up in this situation, like married to her and stuff. So I don't know. Are we supposed to think that like he was also just like in lust with her and then they kind of like rushed into this marriage and then they both realized that it wasn't what they wanted? Yeah, maybe they both because we know that Alice thought this was going to be like her ticket into a new life, you know, like it was less about Bennett and more about like she wanted to start over. Maybe that's what he wanted. And then it ended up that didn't happen for him. He just still ended up back with his dad. Yeah. You know? 
mean, it could very well to be, you know, new relationship, you're kind of blinded by the problems. Maybe the problems always were, they were there. She just didn't realize it because she was feeling like she was in love. And that's hard to put in words in a book, you know, those true feelings if she doesn't even know at that time. Yeah, now that, like, I've been listening to everyone's kind of questions and criticisms of the book, <laughs> I, I, still, I still stand by my five rating, I think, but I do wonder, you know, some of these things that are unresolved, is it because she wanted it to be open for interpretation, or did she just, like, was this overlooked and she should have given more detail and she didn't? Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't know about you guys. I've had about enough of the Van Cleves. What about everybody else? Because I liked everyone else way better than them. I thought you were going to say I've had enough of this book. (laughs) No. (laughs) You know, enough of this talk about this book. Let's move on. (laughs) A huge reason that I liked it so much was because of all the females in the book the men basically were like a side story to me. I didn't really put too much importance on them. It was all about the women. Mm-hmm. Even the way the book's written, it, I don't think it's even written for the men to even have any real dominant role, even though they were dominant, as I put air quotes up. Mm-hmm. Then Marjorie was the best, right? Yes. 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 I love but- that. I think an underrated character is Mrs. Brady. Yes. I love her. I thought she was great. And we need more Mrs. Brady's in the world. But yes, Marjorie Marjorie was great. I loved that Mrs. Brady was using, like, her privilege to, like, call shit out. Mm-hmm. There were so many times she was bringing up double standards and, like, I just loved that she was using her platform in that way. Mm -hmm. And I love that, you know, at the beginning, she kind of forces Izzy into this who didn't want to do it, but she knew it would be good for her. And it ended up that it was. And eventually Izzy really comes into her own and even defies them to do what she wants, which I loved that as well. Mm -hmm. Yes, I loved her too. I loved all of them. I did like that um, they incorporated the Black librarian, too. Was it Sophia? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I liked that they incorporated that, even though it seems like maybe there weren't really any Black librarians in the actual project. I liked how they intertwined, like, the racial tensions and a lot of that that was going on at the time. Um, I thought that that added, like, an interesting element to the story. She was just so smart and, like... I loved that, yes. I know. And at the end, when... At first, when when Sophia, it said that she was, like, rushing back to the library after the trial or whatever, I was like, what? I don't get it. What's she doing? I don't know if I just am dumb and missed that. But then, like, later when you read it, towards the end that she went back to like pencil in his name I was like oh my god she's so smart yeah she was an amazing character I was like kind of disappointed that 
at the end of the book, like I loved Marjorie and I thought she was an amazing character and I loved that she was like unconventional and nonconformist, but I was kind of disappointed that at the end of the book, like she got married and had a baby. Like I, agree. I get it, but I was like, couldn't she have either had a baby and not gotten married or like not done either because yeah. then we could have ended out the book with her still being like unconventional because then at the end she just like did what all the women are expected to do. And I know that's not why she did it. And it had like her own little unique circumstances, but still, I don't know. It kind of bugged yeah, me. I felt the same way. I was kind of annoyed that they made her get pregnant. Like, I don't know. I wanted to be like a wild woman free to roam yeah. the land with her horse and her books and then go back to her like lover at night. I don't know. I was mm-hmm. kind of mad she had to be pregnant and then like be in jail and I don't know. I think that the story would have been just as interesting even with the murder trial and everything if she hadn't gotten pregnant. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was like a necessary yeah. part of the story. And then you're right. They, they wouldn't have had to use the whole narrative of narrative of why they ended up getting married because they didn't want their child to be like ridiculed or whatever because its parents weren't married but if she had never gotten pregnant we could have ended the book with her exactly like you said lauren being like this unconventional wild woman who just like yeah is like free spirit during the day and then goes home to her lover at night that's how i thought it would end it seemed very happy ever after ending Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, everything wasn't a happy ever after, but in that way, you know, everyone did. They got married and they lived happily ever after, and they were wonderful. I mean, she did though give her her last name, not Spens. So that's like something at least of herself. Yeah. I did. I only had one problem with Alice and Fred's uh, storyline. I just want to read one book where like the first time two characters have sex, it is not good because it's just so unrealistic. Like every fucking book, it's like either the, like in this case, Alice is having sex for the very first time. So it's even more unrealistic. Like, can't we just have one story where like, they have sex for the first time and it wasn't very good, but then like they still had a love story and like it got better over time. Like I know that's such a small, like trivial part of this book, but I read it and I'm just like, come on, like really? I mean, so maybe she had. That's true. That's true. She read up on like what to do in the book. We all know that doesn't matter. Lee, you're speaking the truth. That is not a normal occurrence. And so, like, you're right. Every book, every movie, there's never a time when that's not the storyline. And it's just not realistic. At least not all the time. Yeah. And I guess, like, maybe, like, okay, we know that Fred has some experience. So maybe it really was good. I don't know. But just in general, to all the authors that are going to definitely listen to this podcast, please write a book where the sex isn't good the first time. I'm just like really craving a story that includes like a bad first sexual encounter. Then we will read it and promote you on our podcast. Mm -hmm. Yes, I totally agree. And 
to be more clear, you're talking about a consensual sexual oh, encounter. Yes. Yes. More of that. More yes. of that. Yes. Absolutely in a consensual situation. Yeah, that's a really good point. It's like so unrealistic. <laughs> Absolutely. But I did like the two of their um like love story. I liked it. I thought it was a good like addition. And I mean, I'm guessing we were like supposed to know, like I knew from the very beginning that like Alice and Fred were gonna be a thing. Like there were lots of hints even at like page 30 or I don't know exactly, but very early on in the book. Yes. And I feel like Fred respected her as like a human being. You know what I mean? Like I feel like like maybe how Van Cleve was, like he respected his wife, but as insofar as she was a woman and she kind of fell into her role. But like Fred was okay with Alice, like however she chose to be. Mm-hmm. And even from the beginning, I feel like she was laying the foundation that he was, like, not like a lot of the other men at the time. Like, they had him, she had him saying a quote about mares or something that mm. she thought was relating to women. Like, um, something about all decent mares having opinions. So oh. she was, like, showing us from the beginning that he is, like, respectful of women and, like, Mm-hmm. them having their own opinions and being independent and stuff. Um, this just made me think of someone on their library route, um, Jim Horner and his girls. Can we talk about another redemption arc? Like I was, it was so, mm-hmm. he was like enjoying his girls reading and like learning and he was so proud of them. I know. I loved it. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. That was so cute. And I was not expecting him to have a turnaround like that. Mm-mm. I know. I love that too. And I feel like that goes back to what Lynn was saying at the beginning, just like the power of books and literacy and like the relationships that Mm -hmm. these women were making with these people around like education and literacy. I just loved that, that like that was strong enough to like change someone like Mm -hmm. Jim Horner. And that really happened, you know, like those are, I know there's, they're not real stories from the book, but like stories like that did exist with this Pack Horse library. It's just so cool. I really liked that Beth and Izzy and Sophia didn't really have any story except for their friendships and like their own improving themselves. And at the end, they all advanced their own lives, like on their own, basically, or with help from each other. And even Kathleen, who ended up, I guess, having a fling with Jim Horner, like, she also had that on her own terms, like, just kind of lover, taking him as a lover, not getting married or anything. And I liked how the rest of their storylines were not worried about romance or anything, mm-hmm. and just on, like, themselves becoming better people. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I agree. And I loved, like, their relationships with each other, the librarians, was just, like, so, at least for me, reflective of, like, what my relationships are with the women in my life, mm-hmm. and I marked down on page 357 when Alice was, like, thinking she was about to move and stuff. The author says, she turned in her saddle and looked at the group of women behind her and realized she loved them all, 
that leaving each of them, not just Fred, would be a wrench almost greater than anything she had endured up to now. She couldn't imagine meeting women with whom she could feel so in tune, so close to in her next life over polite chit chat and cups of tea. And I say this all the time that I feel like my relationships with my female friends are as important to me as my relationship with my romantic partner. I just really liked that was part of the story because mm-hmm. it's so true. Like it is just so different and it just brings a different dynamic in it. In a lot of ways, it's like way stronger than your relationship mm-hmm. with a man could be, in right. my opinion. And most books, they don't talk about that. They're always about relationships with a man, you know, love stories. And I know, obviously, every story, there's stories with friendships, but not as powerful like you were talking about. So I really did like that, too. Or just romantic stories in general uh, with any gender. Yeah. But you're right. The friendships versus romance are very different. And I definitely agree with what you said, Lynn. And then, like, just the connections between them, like, then at the end when Verna came into it, that was, like, I wish I, I wish that I could have heard, like, the whole conversation that they had with her when they went to her house, but just the fact that even she, because of the connection she felt even with Marjorie and, like, going through some of the same experiences, like, sister solidarity, like, this is what... You know, that's what this is, but I just loved it. So I was a little confused, and I think I got my question answered when I was looking at, like, the Goodreads Q&A section, but I wanted to see your thoughts. So was it implied that Verna was, like, raped by her father? Is that what we're all... Okay, that's what I was thinking, and then I wasn't sure. That's what I assumed. Made up the story about him returning the book. Yeah. Yeah. But I was wondering, like, I mean, wasn't it kind of unlikely that isn't it kind of unlikely that law enforcement would believe that he was like a client of the library because didn't Marjorie say on previous occasions that like she hadn't had any contact with him and he wasn't getting books from them yeah that's true but did anyone actually know who was on the library route besides the librarians and maybe Mrs. Brady? I feel like maybe Marjorie just told Alice that. Like, you, you skipped that house. Like, maybe not everybody knew. I mean, did they write everything down in their book, though? Like, their ledger about it that Sophia had to fix? Yeah, I guess they did. I don't did. know if they kept track or not. Seems so. I don't know. Yeah, I think they did. But weren't they pretending that they had lost that book? Yeah. In the floods or whatever? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like they they made it sound like because they didn't really have any concrete evidence. Like the whole trial was based on like hearsay from Van Cleve essentially. So then when they had this like firsthand account from the daughter, mm-hmm. they didn't really have any legs to stand on. Which is kind of refreshing actually that they would listen to a woman and like believe her and be like, okay, you're right. You're free to go. And yeah, I guess right. thinking about it, like didn't he shoot at her in the beginning of the book? Didn't he put, like, a hole in her hat? Like, he literally tried to murder her already, and then she's going to be, like, forced to be in jail about it. Yeah, like, she was acting in Mm self-defense. Did any of you know or suspect that he was dead from that encounter with her? Because I didn't. I didn't. No. 
No. I remember they kept mentioning that it was lost, but I was like, oh, okay. Wait, do you mean throughout the book when they kept saying the Little Women book is missing? Yeah, I didn't realize that was going to be connected to his no. death. No, I didn't. No, not until they said that when they found his body, he had a bloody Little Women on it. it that was like, oh, that, 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 that's connected for me. Okay, I wanted to make sure I wasn't, like, being dumb no. and <laughs> missed something. I felt like we didn't really get confirmation, though, on why he was, like, attacking her. Was it because of the library and he didn't believe that women should be delivering books? Or was it because of the bad blood between their families? Well, didn't he mention the, like, sexual book that he thought she was delivering, like, evil books? Oh. He didn't like everything that all the women were doing. Like, do you think it was probably a combination of both of those things? Like, the bad blood in the family, and then also he didn't believe in you know, spreading literature specifically to females and, like, sexual literature. And that he's drunk. Yeah. That doesn't help. Would we all recommend the book? Yes. Yes. Definitely. Yes. I guess also, um, what's the other book? Oh, The Woman, The Book Woman of Troublesome Creek by Kim Michelle Richardson. Yeah. Maybe that should also be a to read. For sure. Yeah, I love this book. I thought it was great. I can't wait for the movie. Me too. Same. We'll have to make it like a book club viewing, maybe. Yeah. Okay, well, I don't know about any of you, but I could use a little refill on my wine. How are we all enjoying our wines? I know we heard a little bit from Marie at the beginning, and a couple others were mentioning their wines, but anyone else want to talk about what they think of their wine? I love mine. I'm on my third <laughs> class. I probably should not refill because I've had a lot, but it is so good. I'm finishing my second very large glass, so it's almost like I'm on my third glass as well. <laughs> and it's always good for Ante Riesling. Highly recommend if you like. It's not overly sweet, I don't think. It's like slightly sweet, white. Yeah, mine is a five out of five for sure. I'm really like the Catawba wines because they're so sweet. It's delicious. I've had two glasses of my new age wine and I still give it a five out of five. So I still love my wine. Five out of five still. As usual, I think we recommend the book and we recommend all our wine choices. Yep. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> so what else has everybody been reading recently? Um, so I actually kind of got, like, I kind of took a break from reading when quarantine started. I just could not focus for anything. But after our last um, podcast meeting, I read, like, a few. I read um, Dark Matter by Blake Crouch because I know Lynn was talking about that, and it was available on the Libby app. So I was like, yes, I will read you. And I read The Handmaid's Tale, and I read Big Little Lies, and I read Little Fires Everywhere. I was just on a freaking roll with reading. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Ooh, Those are awesome. such good ones. Just because I think we all read these books, and I was like, okay, get it together. Like, read these books finally. And I think I gave them all at least a four, and Big Little Lies I gave a five. I love that book. I also give the TV series a five. 
Yes. But I haven't watched Little Fires Everywhere yet, so I can't speak to that. I've actually read several books since our last meeting also. So I'm going to recommend two, if that's okay. I read Say Her Name by Zetta Elliott, which is a collection of poems. And I saw that one recommended online, like in a Black Lives Matter post, like read this, but she actually, you know, had published it before. (laughs) You know, it's not like she published it during all this, but I felt very in the moment when I was reading her poetry and I thought it was really good. And the other one I really liked is called Allegedly by Tiffany D. Jackson, which I just finished today, actually. And uh, I also really enjoyed that one. So um, I would recommend both those. I gave them both four stars. Nice. I finished Harry Potter, all of them. I don't remember if I had finished them yet last time. I think you were on like Half-Blood Prince or something last time we talked. Okay. Yeah. So I finished, which made me really sad. I had like a Harry Potter hangover after I felt like, Um, but I did start reading How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi. Kind of like Joe was saying, I just feel like in this moment, like we don't know when this is going to come out, but right now we are experiencing Black Lives Matter protests and there's a lot of talk about police brutality against Black people and just racism in general. So I felt like I need to to be reading some books about this topic to be a better ally and be better informed. So I have a bunch of books in this sort of genre on my list, but I'm currently reading How to Be an Anti-Racist and I really like it so far. I read Little Fires Everywhere, loved it, rated it four stars, mm-hmm. and that was all I read. I also have a lot of the books on my to-read list right now that are like on the way to me but haven't come to me yet to help educate me on being a white ally for Black Lives and helping me to understand and advocate more. Um, White Fragility is one that I'm waiting on. I did get the audio version, but I haven't started it yet. And I also want to read, this is another, I think it's another poetry book. Counting Descent by Clint Smith. Yeah, it's a collection of poems too, which I really want to read. But um, Joe, I have the ones that you mentioned and Lee, those are on my to read list too. But since last meeting, I finally read Unladylike by Kristen Conger and Caroline Irvin, which I loved. It was so, so good. Also their podcast is amazing if you haven't listened. And right now, I'm almost done with it. I'm reading Dan Pfeiffer's book, Untrumping America. It's so good. His first book called Yes, We Still Can is the one I had picked for our political genre. Uh, I read that one too. Both of them are so good. The one I'm reading now, Untrumping America, is basically everything I wanted from Ezra Klein's why we're polarized. He clearly lays out like why we are polarized, what Republicans are doing basically to like exacerbate the problem, what Democrats are doing and why sometimes our approach isn't working. And he gives a lot of um, suggestions of how to like move forward in a way that's going to benefit democracy. (laughs) 
Um, but it's so, so good. And he's like really funny. The way his writing style is really good. So I highly recommend. Are we ready to pick our book for next time? Yeah. Yeah. So this was Marie's genre pick. Yes. So I chose, I was trying to, since we've been doing our book club for three years, we've done almost every genre and I was trying to be creative. So the genre pick I chose was any author that we have chosen as a book club book over the past three years. So that doesn't necessarily mean since we've started our podcasts, it means through the three years that we have been meeting together as a book club. Mm -hmm. I love it. Me too. There were so many good options for this too. Yeah, absolutely. We've read a lot of books. So the book that I picked was 19 Minute. I had it on my bookshelf. It's by Jodi Picoult. I think that's how you say her last name. If not, I've been saying her last name wrong since like high school. Uh, I put that on my to read list in 2013 and it's been on my bookshelf forever, but there's just always a different book that I read over this one. So this one says in 19 minutes, you can mow the front lawn, color your hair, watch the, watch a third of a hockey game. In 19 minutes, you can bake scones or get a tooth filled at, by a dentist. You can fold laundry for a family of five. In 19 minutes, you can stop the world, or you can just jump off it. In 19 minutes, you can get revenge. Sterling is a small, ordinary New Hampshire town where nothing ever happens until the day its complicity is shattered by a shocking act of violence. In the aftermath, the town's residents must not only seek justice in order to begin healing, but also come to terms with the role they play in the tragedy. For them, the lines between truth and fiction, right and wrong, insider and outsider have been obscured forever. I have a bunch of Goodread friends who read this and rated it really high. This has been a book that I don't remember who it was because it's been so long, but I was recommended from multiple friends in high school to read this book, and I was told that this was her best book. So I thought that that would be, I know that when I was looking back at the book that we read, we read House Rules by Jodi Picoult, and that was one of our first, I think that was our second book that we read together. And I think I read it at a three, and it was mainly, I remember it was because of the ending of the book, but I thought that even though we did a lower rating, it would be, might be an interesting read. Lee, go ahead. Okay. I'm just FYI, I'm pretty sure Lee and I have the same book pick, so I might be jumping in after her if I'm correct. So my book pick is Purple Hibiscus. That's my book pick! (laughs) That's my book pick! (laughs) Whoa! Yay! (laughs) You know what? I'm like, what is she going to say? What is she going to (laughs) say? I picked another one of her books. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, so the author we're talking about is Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, and we read Americana by her a while ago. It was very good. And so the rest of us have all picked books by her, which is really fun. Purple Hibiscus 
is about a 15-year-old and her brother who live in Nigeria. They live a privileged life with a caring family. They're shielded from the troubles of the world. Um, but things are less perfect than they appear. Their papa is fanatically religious and tyrannical. The home is silent and suffocating. And the country begins to fall apart under a military coup and they're sent to their aunt outside the city where they discover life beyond the confines of their father's authority. Um, and then there's some more in the description, but I'll kind of stop there. But um, I thought it sounded really good and it has a 4.18 Goodreads rating. I've read, so we've, we read Americana and then I think a couple of us have also read her other really short book called Why We Should All Be Feminists. It was originally a TED Talk, which is also really good. And she has a couple TED Talks. Like, if you haven't heard of her, definitely look her up and start watching some of her TED Talks and, like, getting to know who she is. She's amazing. I've loved everything I've seen of hers, whether it was a video or a book. So I'm super excited. That book sounds really good. I almost picked that. And then instead, I picked... Uh, her book, The Thing Around Your Neck, which um, has 12 short stories, which I thought would be an interesting um, type of book to read because we haven't really read anything like that before. And so part of what it says, I'm not going to read it all also because it's kind of long, but here's a couple examples. In a private experience, a medical student hides from a violent riot with a poor Muslim woman whose dignity and faith force her to confront the realities and fears she's been pushing away. In Tomorrow is Too Far, a woman unlocks the devastating secret that surrounds her brother's death. The young mother at the center of imitation finds her comfortable life in Philadelphia threatened when she learns that her husband has moved his mistress into the Lagos home. And the title story depicts the choking loneliness of a Nigerian girl who moves to an America that turns out to be nothing like the country she expected. Though falling in love brings her desires nearly within reach, a death in her homeland forces her to re-examine them. And this book, it says, has um, 12 short stories in it, and it's rated as a 4.23. Nice. That sounds good. All of these sound really good. Uh -huh. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Did purple hibiscus get entered three times? It did get entered three times. So it's got a good likelihood, I think, of getting picked, but okay. Are we ready then? Yes. Yeah. Hope yep. you can actually see this. It's, it's okay. Not. I'm going to be shocked if it's not <laughs> purple hibiscus. But For I guess real. <laughs> okay. So I'm starting. It's spinning. It's, it's spinning. Oh, you can't see it. I'm sorry. It's spinning. Oh my gosh. It is 19 minutes. Oh. <laughs> As I was just saying, I'm going to feel bad if it's mine. It totally is. That's insane. Is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Because we had like a theme going on there. Oh my gosh. That's okay. I'll still probably read one of the other ones in between. Yeah. That's crazy. Four out of the five were the same author, and it picked the other one. Odds were totally against that happening. All right, listeners. So have you read this book, and did you like it? 
or do you have a favorite book you want us to read or a genre idea that you think we should consider? Unrelatedly, do you have a cat? We love cats. We'd love to hear from you or see a picture of your cat. You can find us at drinkabookpod at gmail.com or drinkabookpod at Instagram. And we also have a Goodreads account, also drinkabookpod. So thanks everyone for joining us this month. And uh, just as a recap, we highly recommend The Giver of Stars. And then next time, um, read 19 minutes and join us in our conversation. See you next one. Bye. 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 Here's to another book club. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.